Philo community, welcome to episode 11 of the Philo podcast. For those of you who are new to our little podcast, our goal is to help technical artists in the local church become more effective so that our churches can become more effective. It's basically an extension of the Philo conference all year round. Actually, about every three weeks or so. Anyway, speaking of an extension of the Philo Conference, for those of you who are at Philo, we've got all the resources available, audio recordings of the breakouts, as well as audio and video from the main sessions, plus some extra downloadable files associated with some of the sessions like PowerPoint presentations or documents or web uh, links that people talked about in their sessions. So all that's there. If you register before May 30th for 2019's Philo Conference, you should have received an email with a code to download all of that for free. If you happen to miss this opportunity of registering early, it's still a super affordable way to keep developing your skills and inspiring your team. So go to firstinlastout.us backslash resources to check out what's available. And while you're there, it's not too late to save a ton of money on registering for next year's Philo. We've been working hard to create another great experience for those of us serving the technical arts in the local church, so you don't want to miss out. Let's get to our episode. I'm super excited to have had a conversation with Alex Fuller. He's the lighting director at Bethel Church and also does lighting for them on their tours. And we got a chance to talk this episode. I was really bummed that he was on tour when Philo was happening this year, but uh, maybe next year. Anyway, since Alex is a lighting person, I figured we'd talk about lighting. So there are tons of ways for lighting to be awesome and ways for it to be a huge distraction. Alex and I talked about this as well as many other things. So let's give it a listen. How's it going, Alex? Good, doing good. Yeah, sweet. And maybe you could elaborate more on... What I'm currently doing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so what I'm currently doing, I'm the lighting and scenic designer for Bethel Music and Bethel Church. Um, so for the church, uh, I have one guy that works for me at the church. And so I don't do tons of stuff at the church on the weekends, which is great because I actually get to attend church on the weekends, what? which is real, which is crazy for a lighting director to be able to actually go to service with their family. Right. We might have weekend. to edit this whole section out okay. because you uh, no, I'm only kidding. We're not going to edit out, but people are like cursing your name. He doesn't have to yeah. go to church. What goes to this family? No. I'm going to yeah, kill him. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So that's been, it's been great uh-huh. to do that. And still, I still do church services every once in a while, but sure. lighting for church versus lighting for our tours is completely different. Okay. Yeah. So maybe before we get into it too much, what is your, um, like, how did you end up doing lights? Like how did, right. I mean, maybe it's a little more popular now, but uh, years ago I was looking for a lighting person to come work at my church and it, I couldn't find any, like they're impossible to find. So I'm curious, how, what was your pathway to getting to this place? And are you really an audio person and just ended up doing lights? <laughs> well, let me first say, I don't know anything about audio. Okay. <laughs> I can tell you when it sounds bad and that's kind of where my... Uh, yeah, get in line. My, yeah. my audio uh, <laughs> career stopped. Yeah. Um, so I actually started out... Um, a lot of people ask me, like, how do you end up where you got? And uh, I started out my, my, I was lucky to start out by, my dad owned a lighting company. And mm. so when I was about 11, I was like, dad, I want some money. And he's like, okay, <laughs> well, come to work. Boom, yeah. <laughs> on, your, on your days off from school or even on the weekends. And so uh-huh. I would come and started by, you know, coiling cable and cleaning cable and taking out the trash and sweeping the floors and kind of okay. started out doing that. And um then in the summers, I you know I need money, and so my right. dad's like, okay, come to work. And so 
I started doing more, um, more stuff and then started doing some shows and then in high school started doing theater, okay. um, did some high school theater stuff and would do our high school theater. wasn't the greatest, but there was a couple <laughs> yeah. high schools down the street that had like really nice fly galleries and like oh, state right. of the arts. And so like I'd go over there and do shows over there because okay. it was way nicer. Yeah. And so I kind of started doing that. And then I did my first like U.S. coast to coast tour when I was 20 um, with Acquire the Fire. Okay, sure. And if all the people remember Acquire the Fire, Teen Mania Ministries. Um, uh, yeah. And so I started doing that. So I went on a tour and actually started out shooting pyro on tour. Awesome. And uh, it was super fun blowing crap up. It was super fun. <laughs> yeah. um, and, uh, and so I did that for a few months. And the, and the lighting guy at the time, he was really not digging the lighting. But okay. I was actually like not really digging the pyro stuff. But it's like you're by yourself the whole time. Sure, right. And um, Which could get dangerous if you're blowing things up by yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I was like, hey, let's... Uh, what do you are you open to like trading positions? This is like in the like third of the way through the tour. Uh-huh. And so he was like, Yeah, let's switch. Cause he didn't want to sit in front of the house for the whole week because it was like a two day sure. show and oh, so wow, it was yeah. long. And we went to our production manager at the time and I said, and we said, Hey, we want to switch jobs. And he's like, You guys are weird. What? <laughs> yeah. But and he said, You can switch if you can know all the songs by next week's show. And so we like we did weekend shows as every weekend. Sure, right. Uh-huh. And so we brought our old Hog 1000 on the tour bus with us. Okay. And so the, the LD taught me all the, or the guy that was board hopping, he taught me all the songs and when all the cues were. Right. And so I listened to all of them on like, you know, headphones in with the, it was a CD player, I think, at the time. And Boom. that dates yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Well, the Hog 1000 already dated you. But yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. True. Very true. And uh, and so I learned all the songs on the bus. And so then the next weekend we switched jobs. And so the first, you know, we're doing rehearsals and I'm like hitting the cues. I'm like, whoa, look at that. Whoa, look at that. <laughs> it's actually doing and, something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, and then kind of from that point on, I was doing lighting full time. Sure. So, yeah, and so then uh, ended that tour, and then a couple years later, after working at some other secular production companies, went back to Choir of the Fire, and then production managed there for three years. Okay, and did design and programmed as well. Um, and then after that, we went back to Portland because um, I'm from Portland, okay. and worked for a production company in Portland for five years, and then ended up going. We were kind of kind of done with the whole secular, kind of done doing rock shows, sure. kind of like. Despite what the movie School of Rock says, one great rock show can't change the world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm writing and that so, down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so we were kind of like wanting to get back into ministry. And I knew there was only so many lighting um, jobs in ministry that could kind of support our family. Sure. And so we started looking in Saddleback Church in Southern California, had a job opening. And we were like, all right. Boom, and yeah. so we filled out the application, sent it in, and filled it out. And uh, the next week, they got a call back. And then a couple weeks later, they flew me and my wife down to check it out. And then a couple months later, we we're moving down to Southern California. Nice. And uh, and it was great. And it's, man, from Oregon to Southern California, it was amazing. The first year we were there, I think it rained five days. And <laughs> and so we were like, it was glorious. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, so then when I was at Saddleback Church, uh, same kind of job, lighting scenic designer there for yep. For almost four years okay. and learned learned a ton. It was a super great experience and uh, met a ton of great people. 
and uh, kind of gave me a real taste for like mega church sure. production. Yep. You know, and then from there, Bethel is kind of funny. I wasn't really even looking, and Bethel kind of gave me a call and said, "Hey, we're doing a tour, and we need a guy." Right. And so I took some vacation time from Saddleback. I was like, "Hey, this sounds like a fun opportunity." Yeah. Did a tour with them, and uh, went great, super fun. Then went back to Saddleback, and then about six months later, they called me up and said, "Hey, we have a full time position opening up, and would you be interested?" And I was like, "Sure, let's talk about yeah, it." Yeah. Okay. And then, then a couple months later, we moved up to Northern California. Wow. And uh, here we are. Piece of cake. I would yeah, say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say the first time we met, uh, maybe yeah. uh, in quotation marks, I guess it was when we first met. So we had been talking about uh, maybe texting back and forth or emailing about the idea of Philo Conference, or maybe not even that. Just I, I maybe that's what I was thinking. I'm like, I think I need to get Alex to like teach a class or something. Anyway, I need to connect with them. So you were coming through Chicago to a stop, which I've now forgotten the name of the place. Uh, so like, yeah, show up at this time and, you know, say hello or whatever. And so I get there and the they did not have a rigger show up or something like that. Anyway, you're in the above the ceiling. <laughs> like, and so we had a conversation, like I'm on the ground and you're 20 feet up in the air behind some drywall. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think yeah. Uh, that was the first time we met. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that is now that I think about. It. Yeah, that was the first the first Bethel tour. Uh, yeah, she yeah. came out and I was like, "Yeah, we're not gonna be able to hang out. I'm in the ceiling." <laughs> yeah, we have, we have some issues. I think I, I actually offered for you to come up and we could hang out I and you think, could help me break yeah, some right. points. I don't like that kind of hanging out. Uh, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. I don't like to be responsible for anything that's hanging over people's heads. It's just... Yeah, no, no. There was other riggers up there. I was just more uh, strongly encouraging them to work faster. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm curious, just, okay, so you've been, uh, you did lots of touring. You did uh, Acquire the Fire. You did the Bethel tours. You've been at Saddleback. You've been to Bethel, the church. And you said that they're very different, you know, programming for for touring versus a worship service. What? Yeah, I would love to know. Like, uh, did you learn a bunch touring that you can apply to the church, and vice versa, or are they so totally different that you know there's no correlation between the two? No, I mean, there's a there's definitely um, some differences and some similarities. I think one of the big things is well, I. I also was able to tour with some big, some larger named secular artists. Okay. Humble brag. I'm ready. Uh, humble brag. <laughs> um, a band most Christians probably wouldn't rec- wouldn't encourage. Uh, Nickelback. I was out with those guys for Nickelback. a little bit. Nickelback. All right. And got a and got to do a, a tour with John Bon Jovi. So that was pretty fun. Awesome. Yeah. And um and I was mainly doing like LED video wall tech stuff while I was sure. out there doing that. Um, okay. And it was it was a great experience, but definitely not definitely not what I wanted to do for my life. Right. And I, I'm glad you brought up with the difference between you know touring and church because I think one of the big things that's out there that's happening right now is well, especially a lot of younger LDs, church yeah. LDs, will go to a show and right. they'll see like you know a Bruno Mars show or even like you know Skillet. I think there's guys are still out touring, you know, <laughs> and you see those types of you know, large flashy rigs and programming and awesome lighting that looks amazing. Yeah. But the thing is, and then they see that on a Friday, Saturday night or something, and then they want to go do that Sunday morning at their church. Right. 
fortunately and fortunately, that this don't translate. Right. And and so then you get people complaining at church saying the lights are in my eyes and it's right. too loud and it's like flashy and I'm like you know and so and so I've tried really hard to when I because I've, I've had a lot of interns over the years too uh-huh. and other LDs that I'm talking to is try and get them to understand the difference between what their audience is and then what what the event is that they're doing or they're programming right. for whether it's a Sunday morning or if it's a night of worship. Sure. Like your programming will look totally different. Right. And depending on what your age demographic of, if you're doing a youth camp, like uh, you better have a bunch of beams and flash and trash and lots of blinky stuff. Sure. Because that's what the kids want to see. And yeah. that's what versus like, uh, you know, gray hairs on Sunday morning. Sure. Right. Just trying to get people to understand that and go into the mentality and the mindset of, hey, we're going to program this way because of this is what we're doing. Sure. And even at Bethel, like our Sunday, our Sundays, um, services are programmed and ran completely different than what we do on our Bethel music tours. Okay. And I think people, and that, I think it surprises a lot of people because it is drastically different. And why, um, what exactly, like, is there like one or two reasons why that is? Um, well, I think there's a few reasons. Um, the biggest reason on Sunday morning at Bethel, it's unnecessary. Okay. It's It's just, it's unnecessary to have a ton of flash and a ton of, I, I dare say hype. Sure. Okay. Bethel Church is, you know, it. People are lined up at the door an hour before doors open every Sunday for every service. Wow. Every service is full. The overflow is full. It's hard to get seats. Like sure. every single service. And so there. And so there's there's no haze. There's no haze at what? all. What you can have church without haze? I know. Somebody called the Babylon Bee. I know <laughs> immediately exactly, and so I got a scoop. I know that there's, yeah. Yes, and I know there's some lighting guys out there like, okay, I'm not letting my tech director listen to this podcast because right. they're going to say we don't need haze. I don't so think I'm the sorry. Holy Spirit really can work without haze. I, I'm this is all new to me. I know. Tell me about <laughs> it. Uh, and so, um, yeah, we don't have haze. I mean, there's half. There's I think we run. We have maybe we have eight like talk tech for a second. We have like eight R2 Chave R2 washes. Sure, uh-huh. We have like six VL3000s okay, and a wow. slew of conventionals to, to light everybody up, a bunch of Lico, source uh-huh. cars. <clears throat> and so it's in the whole, all the services on Sunday are all busked. They're all on okay. the fly. We don't program anything wow. in advance. I mean, we have our, you know, palettes and everything set up with colors and positions, but it's all super chill. Okay. And it's just, it, it's honestly just not necessary because Everyone comes there to worship. Right. They're like they're coming they're, with expectation already. Yeah, to, you don't need to build up the yeah. Okay. No, no. And so and so that's just like a cultural thing. Now and, I'm curious though, though, uh, so because I would argue maybe that people are showing up to a Bethel concert or what night of worship or whatever you call it with yeah. expectation also. Right. And so yeah, I'd be curious. The okay, but there's haze and there's bis and there's you know, yeah, uh, yeah. So we and that's the thing. Yeah, so our nights of worship tours that we do are full haze, full production, full lighting, video walls. Yeah, um, you know everything. And so it is. And I think part of that is because of expectation. Honestly, sure. okay. I mean, there's. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of tours out there right now. Yeah, there's a lot of worship tours. There's a lot of even Sunday. Sunday mornings at a lot of churches feel like, you know, is better lighting than some tours. Sure. Yeah. Right. Um, And so I think part of that is expectation and how I program, 
I program, I'm kind of one of those less is more kind of guys. Okay. But at the same time, whenever I'm programming something, kind of my philosophy on programming, especially during church and, and worship services and even, even Bethel tour nights, like whenever, and I always ask myself this one question, am I adding to or am I distracting from what's happening on stage? Right. Like, am I adding to what the band is doing? Because that's ultimately my job. Right. My, my job is to take what the band is doing and just be an extension of that. Sure. And my, goal, my goal in my heart is that people would worship and that they might pull out their phone and take a picture. And then later when they look back at the picture, go, wow, the lighting was amazing. But when they're there worshiping, they're right. not, wow, the lighting's amazing. Sure, yeah. Yeah, and, people are walking um, out saying the lighting is amazing. You've probably overdone it. Exactly. It's, yeah. This is not tri- Trans-Siberian Orchestra. This is not <laughs> what we're doing. Talk about pyro. That'd be quite the pyro show yeah. to, yeah, yes, to work exactly. on. Exactly. You need a buddy, a pyro buddy though, for sure. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. And so um, so that's, you know, whenever I'm programming and I do stuff and I'll do it. And usually, you know, if I did, if I over, if I overdid something, I'll know it instantly. Sure, right. And that's like being, uh, that's like part of being, you know, being into the Holy Spirit to know where they're going on stage. Cause we do a lot of prophetic, just like spirit led worship where sure. it, there's not a click track and there's not tracks and they're just leading and going and, okay. and I'm doing lighting along with that. Sure. And so for me, it's being in tune with what's happening on stage and in the room and knowing where, where we're going and what's happening and trying to just be an extension of that from right. the stage. That's interesting. The, the, I, there's part of it. So I used to do lighting long, long time ago, I think I had an ETC Express console or maybe Expression. It was a big, mm-hmm. lots of faders. Uh, no moving lights. I think uh, I, it was uh, uh, color scrollers was as complicated as I got. Nice. But I really like to program everything out so that I didn't have to remember what I w- what's happening next or whatever, um, mm-hmm. which is very different from the kind of, kind of go with the moment uh, and so <clears throat> on some level, I was paying attention differently in the moment because I just like waiting for my moment to hit go the go button. And I, I'm curious just because I think what a lot of people go on Friday night and see typically is something that's hyper-programmed. It's time yeah. code and everything's exactly right. And then they're trying to re- replicate that in their services. And, you know, you're doing a bunch of one-offs every weekend. You're not doing the same show every night. Uh, just that philosophy, I guess, of kind of being in the moment versus pre-programming. Is that, has that been something that's changed over time for you? Or in every situation, you feel like this is how I do it? Or are there times that require one over the other? Yeah, I mean, I'm a firm believer that if you can pre-program stuff, it's going to look better than on the fly. Sure. A- every time, okay. every time. And so... Uh, what we'll do is I'll usually program the songs that we're doing. There's right. many songs as or as many songs as I have time to program because <laughs> I might program extra songs as they they're just because they're not on the set list doesn't mean necessarily <laughs> yeah. they're not going to get sung. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, and so I'll program as much of that, and usually we'll do the song pretty close to the original arrangement that we're whatever our live arrangement version is. Sure. And then usually there'll either be moments either at the end of songs or at the beginning of songs. And so that's where it's really kind of going with the flow um, sure. and feeling it out. One thing, I'm a Grand MA2 programmer. Okay. And so that's my console of choice. Uh-huh. And being able to have the live time on a fader uh, gives you just tons of flexibility for right. your program time. 
And so where I turn mine up to like 18 seconds where I can do like a super slow sweep or you can, and the cool thing about it is you can, now I'm just, this is an MA plug, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll bleep those you, out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it just gives you, it just gives you a lot of options. And so it allows you to be able to do stuff on the fly really easily. Right, right. And, um, and so in, in all those moments, even like from night to night on tour, you know, those moments don't ever look the same for the band or for the leaders. Sure. And so they, and they rarely look the same for lighting as well. Sure. And so, okay. um, so I, it's just one of those things where it's like, I'm just going, I'm just going with them wherever they're going and right. trying to, trying to not distract or hit the wrong button and the, oops, that should have <laughs> been a 15 second fade, not a one second fade. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, uh, and so just trying to, Eliminate distractions and go where they're going. Right. It's interesting just thinking about what you said, that usually something happens at the beginning of a song or at the end of a song, mm-hmm. I think is so useful because even in church, you know, there's a part of it that I know uh, when I was at Willow Creek, I would beg the worship leader, just tell me what your plan is going into this. And he, uh, they were, they tend, I mean, not just at Willow Creek, tend to be hesitant about saying it's going to be exactly this or exactly that because you want to leave space for what's God doing in the room and being able to follow that. But I think there's something great about saying, we know we're going to do this and let's be ready for something other than that to happen here and here, you know, so that we can all be sort of ready for it's going to go. We don't know where, but we know that this is where that's going to happen. I think it's such a useful yeah, yeah, I think too that it takes out the the I want it like the oogity boogity. It takes out the <laughs> creepy, like oh my gosh, there's a moment that I don't. There's no words on the screen, and people are singing their own songs, and oh, right, I don't right, know what's yeah. happening. Yeah, right. Is this what do crazy? I do? Yeah, is this is this biblical? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. And so I'm not getting into that discussion. Turn the but, hazer up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so you know, I think it's it's really up to the leaders, and I'm just trying to follow the leaders, and right. whether at the end of a song or beginning of a song, or you know if. If they decide to have something happen, great. If they don't, then they'll just go on. And the thing that helps me a ton, it's a little bit like cheating, but uh, <laughs> on the tour, I always have the music director in my ears. So oh, I'm perfect. listening to the, so I have an inner ear pack and I have ears on and I'm listening, like I have my own mix and yeah. I'm listening and I have the music director super loud in my ears. Right. So because they'll call audibles or change songs or they'll change order, like, hey, we're gonna sing this song instead of this song. Or, you know, he'll, okay, let's build this up or let's take it. And so I'm, so I get, you know, like a four second head start. Sure, right. Over, over like really, but that gives me enough time to hit a few buttons. And so, and at the same time, it's super helpful. And sometimes even the music director doesn't know, you know, where the worship leader's just going and he's like, all right, let's go, let's yeah. go, <laughs> you know? And so and it's just the whole band all being, you know, everyone being tuned in. I feel like I'm part of, you know, part of the band on stage, sure. off stage. And, you know, and then usually I have the video guy next to me. I'm like, hey, they changed the song or we're doing this song this <laughs> yeah. time, you know. <laughs> or if, if he doesn't have his ears in, but usually he's got yeah. ears in too to yeah. know what's going on, so. Yeah. Now, uh, I mean, it sounds like you have a pretty well-developed perspective on the role of lighting, whether it's in a church service or in the in a worship experience. Is that coming from somewhere like the band leader is kind of directing some of that or is it a, I'm imagining it's more, maybe more collaborative, but it's not like you're just doing your own thing and it happens to line up with what Bethel needs. 
Is there right. some level of collaboration that's happened over time to so that you're doing what is needed? Right. So I think the big I think the word you're looking for is culture. Sure, yeah. Like culture, like knowing the culture and knowing what what they're looking for. And that's like going from Saddleback Church programming to Bethel programming was is way different. I would imagine. And, it, yeah. it, and so in the last so I've been here six months now at Bethel and the first three months, all I was asking was culture, culture questions, culture. Right. What's your guys' culture? What do you guys, you know, look, feel, vibe, all those types of things, colors, you know, right. patterns, textures, content, like all those things, all the questions I was asking. Because if I programmed for just like Saddleback at Bethel, it just wouldn't fit. Right. Music's totally different. And so even if they're doing a Bethel song, it's just different styles. Sure. Right. Not that one's not that one's better or worse. Right, right. They're, Every place different. is different. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Every church is different. If God wanted all the churches to be the same, he would have made everybody the same. Yeah. Like, so did you, when you got to Bethel, did you just say, okay, we need to put two huge windows on either side of the stage? That was your first request? <laughs> yes. Yes, that was the first thing. I was like, wow, it's really dark in here. You guys, yeah. uh, I can't work in these conditions. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, I, I need a white room. Yes. Um, no, so it was, it was very, it was very challenging for me, and um, just to, um, just to change, like honestly, just to change my style. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, it's even it's still worship style, but it's just a different vibe. Um, and so it was, it's definitely some challenging. Right. Um, and the first, the first Bethel, or the, yeah, the first Bethel show I ended up doing was a Jesus Culture Conference in Sacramento. Okay. So I came on staff. I've been on staff for five days, and they're like, "Hey, we're going to Sacramento <laughs> uh, for uh, for because Brian and Jen Johnson are leading the the worship set. You're gonna have about you're gonna have about an hour during lunch and an hour during dinner to program on a rig that you have been on. Right. Like, sweet. Yeah. No sure. pressure. Yeah. For and sure. you need to learn our culture during that. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> one hour so, slots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was a big, it was a big, uh, less is kind of more for me on right, that right. one. Yeah. But, uh, it turned out, it turned out pretty good. I still yeah. have the job. So I, that's so, right. So I'm still here. So well, I, I think that's, that's, uh, I mean, even hearing you say it, like the Saddleback is very different from Bethel. Not good, bad, just different. That even somebody coming to a Bethel concert or coming to the church to not necessarily feel like you, if you're a lighting person, oh man, that works for them, that's going to work for us. Or this lighting really moved me. It's not necessarily the same at your church. I mean. Right. Yeah. I think it's important to understand that your church and your culture and the vibe you're going for. And a lot of that helps with having a creative director right. or, um, you know, with, even with scenic, I still have a creative director that I report to and that we, you know, for set designs, like I, you know, usually building the design and talking to her about, you know, what are we going to do for this? What are you, what do you like about this design? What do you not like about right. this design? And we kind of, you know, we whittle it down and we land on a design and then we move forward. Um, but, it's you know through that process you're figuring out kind of what they're look what they're looking for what we're right. trying to achieve and trying to stay relevant but also not trying to we're not going to be the biggest or baddest or like we're not going to have the most lights we're not going to have the most video screens it's like right. one budgets and two even if we had unlimited budgets it probably wouldn't be what we'd choose yeah. to spend the money on anyways yeah yeah and so just knowing your church and and if your church is going through a time, I actually talked to a guy 
uh, at another church uh, this week. And he was asking, cause he's like, my pastor, my worship leader wants to cut down, like they have a bunch of moving lights. He's just like, you know, it's too, they're saying it's too flashy. And I'm like, yeah. okay. And, and so he's like, what do you, you know, they want to stop all moving lights from ever moving. Sure. Yeah. Like, do you, do you, do you have any, do you have any, uh, you know, pointers or whatnot? And I said, well, a couple things is you can kind of get away with some tricks of doing effects on moving lights. So they look like they're moving, but they're not like, you know, gobo scrolls or zoom sure, right. chases or, um, you know, just different things like that. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, it's probably lights in people's eyes. Yeah. Like that's I'm like, if they're not in their eyes and they're over their heads or they're on the stage and they're moving around, it's way different than if lights are in your eyes. And right. so even worship nights, I'm always super um, careful when I'm putting lights in people's faces right. and, yeah. how, and how often I am. How often, how long. Yeah. Yes, all those things. Yeah, right. So you just have to how be aware bright. of kind of all. Right, exactly. Yeah. Are you in a are you in a tiny room with sharpies and you're just blinding and melting people's faces? You I have know? to say, I I was uh, producing an event and the lighting person I've now forgotten who was doing it, but I said, no sharpies. I don't want to see one. Sh- I've been blasted by them so many times. I thought, you know what? If I'm the one paying the bill, I'm not renting sharpies. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And that was one of the things like. At Saddleback, because we have because it's windows both sides, oh, right. thirty feet tall, ninety feet long on both sides of the sanctuary. It's so bright in there. You need we, them. We just we decided to buy sharpies because you want to be able to see the beams. Yeah. Now keeping them on the stage or keeping them in the air and keeping them out of people's eyes—that's just kind of what we had to do. Sure. But in order, so whenever I tell people whenever they're looking at buying new equipment and gear, always demo it in your space. Right. Always come bring it, get a demo, look in your space. Everything, every single light in the world looks awesome with tons of haze in a black room on YouTube. I'm right. just telling you. <laughs> they all look amazing. Or in the showroom. In the showroom, at the, sure. that's, you know, we got eight foot ceilings and you're like, oh right. man, this light's super so bright. bright in here. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's like, so funny. Demo it. Demo it in your space <laughs> before you ever buy anything. So I basically, my story in a nutshell, I was an audio person. I became a video person. Then I became a lighting and scenic person became a leader. I don't know how that all happened, but the, you became a file. You became a Philo. Philo, yeah. <laughs> I became Philo. The thing in my mind was lighting was suddenly there was a lot more creative input from other people or more creative output from me. I, a mix, an audio mix, or even a mix when you're doing with cameras and all that stuff feels less creative and less less obviously creative, let me say, where the lighting was more outwardly so. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, okay, here I am trying to come up with something that looks beautiful, that fits the moment. Yeah. I don't I felt it's almost was like I was more attached to it than I than some of the other things that I had been doing. And so anytime I would get feedback from people, I'm just like, well, that's what you think. And you know, how dare you uh, talk yes. bad about my yeah. creation. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, just in your life, and like, how do you deal with the that critique, or how did you yeah. kind of get around the fact that, hey, th- I'm just trying to match what's happening on stage and make it maybe enhance it or make it better, or but I'm not trying to create some new moment, and mm-hmm. so I'm okay with the the give and take. Yeah, I think you you need to know that like there will be times where you fail. 
Like sure. that's just going to happen. And, and to say, and to try and learn from those and not to just dwell on them. Right. Like there's tons of times where I'm like done something like, oh, and as soon as I did, oh, instantly, oh, <laughs> dang it. I shouldn't have done that. And, uh, and one quick thing as a lighting guy, if you do it once, people might think you messed up. If you do it two or three times, then they might think you did it on purpose. It's sure. Just, right. Yeah. It's that's a creative a, that, choice. That, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that one's free. Yeah. <laughs> You get what you pay for. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think it's hard because I've I've spent so much time before programming songs and and like giving your blood, sweat, and tears to a song, and right. then you know your boss or someone walks in and is like, "Ooh, I don't really like the mm, shade of that color," yeah. and you're like, "That the whole song is based on that color." Like, right, right. <laughs> and so um, you kind of, but it's it's all opinion. Right. Like it's it's all opinion and. And so you just kind of have to be able to, to let it roll off. Like you have right. to. And I think too, you have to also be wise. And so, especially at Saddleback, I had a boss and he liked certain colors. And so sure. one day I got him in there. And I go, hey, what colors do you like? And he's like, dude, just program whatever. I'm like, no, you're my, you're signing the checks, man. You have to like what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. And so he had a couple of colors and I would, and so I actually saved those colors in my console. They were his colors. Sure. And whenever I was like, Man, I'm not really sure about. Oh, hey, I'm throwing these two colors <laughs> yeah. in, and he'd always comment, "Man, that song looked great." I'm like, yeah. "Yes, like, it perfect, did. yeah, perfect." <laughs> uh, and so, you, I think you have to use wisdom, right? And at the same time, like I've heard, you know, there's certain things where certain churches, like, "Hey, don't use this one color," or, "Hey, right, don't right. use this one." And so, for that stuff, I, I usually ask, "Okay, why? Like, why are right. you? Well, we've always done it that way. Okay, sure. well, why have you always done it? You know?" And so. And I'm like, is it really that color or is it was that color that one day that the pastor had the same colored shirt on and right, then right. we're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it looks so horrible. Uh, and so I think there's exceptions to every rule, especially in lighting. Right, right. Especially in lighting. Because I'll be like, I'll never, you know, put green on people because they look dead. Right. Yeah. Like, don't ever front light people green. Well, if you're doing a haunted house, I'd put green on them. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and so, uh, so there's exceptions to everything, but... I think you have to you have to know that there'll be people that like your work and there'll be people that don't like your work and right. that's kind of and especially social media. Sure. Like there'll be people like I did a design this summer and I had some squares over the stage with LED tape. Oh my gosh, you think I just ripped off 1975's design? Yeah. <laughs> there was I'm like and I knew it. I knew I was going to get it. And so it's just like, hey, you know what? I I changed it up a little. It was different and I was planning on doing squares and then I, I showed the design to someone and they're like, hey, this looks just like 1975. I'm like, who are they? <laughs> and uh, I was like, no, I'm just kidding. I know they are. And so, uh, you know, I looked at it and I'm just like, you know what? They'll be square. There was square designs before 1975. There'll be squares after. I mean, there's right, only so many right. shapes. And so I tell people, <laughs> I'm like, I tell people, I'm like, if you have a cool idea or if you see someone that has a cool idea, great. But don't don't straight up rip their idea off. Right. At least change it, make it yours, and uh, you know make it a little different. And that's you know, and and when you do designs that look similar to other people, they're going to compare it. And I'm like, sweet, 1975 stuff looked amazing. So I'm hope you're saying that my stuff looked amazing, right? Like, yeah, you know. And well, so one thing I've uh, maybe a couple things on what you were just talking about. I I find that if I love it. That's what I should. I should be trying to make it something that I think is beautiful, not trying to read yeah. someone else's mind or just trying to straight up copy someone. Uh, For but sure. what do I love the look of and do that? 
Well, the, the other thing that you were saying is, you know, some people will love it and some people will hate it. I think for me, the biggest thing was who matters, whose opinion matters, because there are a million opinions. Yeah. Uh, however many people there are in your church, that's how many opinions there are. And so whose opinion matters? Okay. The senior pastor, maybe your boss, maybe yeah. that's it. And so everyone else, yeah, you just smile and nod and thank them for their feedback and then yeah, turn it up. <laughs> Or whatever, yeah. <laughs> Make it brighter. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think too when I when I do get critiques or feedback from from like church attenders uh-huh. that come up to the booth and like, hey, blah 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 blah. First question I ask are, "Where are you sitting?" Right. Yeah. I always ask, regardless if it's audio or sound or video or whatever. I'm like, "Where are you sitting?" Yeah. Well, I was in the top row and the lights kept hitting me in the face. Okay. Well, they're gonna hit you up there because there's a lot of lights in the air. Right. You know, and it's like can you maybe try a different seat? Like not the nosebleed cheap seats. Like I try not to blind you, but every once in a while I might get you like you're high yeah, up there. Right, right. Ver- versus someone that's like, if they're sitting right in front of front of house and they have the same view I do. And they're like, I think it was too much of this. this. Okay. Well, I'll, t- I'll, you know, weigh sure, that opinion right. a little differently than right. I think you're absolutely right. And yeah, obviously the guy that signs your check, the pastor or right. your creative director, or whoever your boss is, those are definitely the people you need to listen to. Right. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yes. And, uh, but no, I mean, I, I thoroughly love doing lighting. And I think part of that is the creative aspect. I, I used to not really think of myself as a creative person. Okay. I just didn't. I, and I always did lighting. And I just, and finally I realized one day I'm like, oh, I guess you have to be kind of creative to do this. Sure, right. And so I'm like, wow, I'm a creative person. Look at I me. didn't even know yeah. that. <laughs> but at the same time, I tell them, um, you know, I tell a lot of a lot of lighting guys, like you know, because it is lighting is one person, like typically it is, yeah, and right? it is a huge thing that you see, and and so there's a lot of lighting guys out there, a lot of LDs with big chips on their shoulder and big egos, because right. it's all about them. Right. And I, I always tell those guys, I'm like, you know, work hard and stay humble. Right. Like work hard, stay humble, because it's not about you. I mean, it it really isn't. Right. I mean, uh, Rick Warren, Purpose Driven Life, sends yeah. one. It's not about you. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I think about it often. Usually, lighting is the area that seems like it, and scenic seems like it requires the most work. Uh, it requires uh, once it's all finally set up. Now you need everyone to go away so you can work for a few hours to actually get it working, which is usually in the middle of the night. Yeah, always. and I think. I think about that when I'm walking out of the room and the lighting guy, I'm going to stay a few more hours. I'm thinking, are you nuts? Why would you ever choose to do this? Uh, because you you like have the most work to do, most yeah. work to do. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the audio guy sort of rolls in, plugs a few things in, hears a few noises, walks away. <laughs> yeah, I think, and I think, honestly, I think lighting's way easier than audio. That's oh, yeah? just my opinion. That's my opinion. Well, the, yeah, I... The trick with audio is you're, that's the hot seat. Everybody, if there's a mistake, everyone knows it. If yes. you like fudge a lighting cue a little bit, most people aren't even going to notice. They have their that's eyes true. closed for crying out loud. <laughs> that's the goal. Yeah. It's because the lights are shining in their eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, hey, um, is there anything, just like one parting shot, just thinking about the lighting? I'm thinking of one guy, Frank. He's a lighting guy at a church. You know, loves the local church, loves to do lighting. Is there anything you would say to him? You know, just a piece of advice yeah. or 
Yeah, I think I would. I would first off, Frank, you're doing a good job, man. There keep, you go. Keep keep going, keep going, and uh, just because you might not have the lights that you want or the console you want, like you're still changing people's lives, mm. and um, you know, ultimately, that's why we're doing it. Like we're doing it because we love Jesus and we want people's lives to be changed. We want to use lighting to help create an environment or an experience that allows people to get closer to the Lord. And um, if you're doing that, it doesn't matter what kind of lights you use. It doesn't matter what kind of console you have. It doesn't matter what kind of haze machine you have. Uh, ultimately, like we're pointing people towards Jesus. And if you're doing that, then you're doing an awesome job. Boom. Nice. Mic, mic drop. There you go. He dropped it. Hey, uh, Alex, thanks so much for being with us. And hopefully we'll, we should uh, do this more often. This is kind of cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Todd. Yep. There is a lot in this conversation I really love, such as don't take everything so personally. I love keep doing what you're doing. It's changing lives. That's so good. And know whose opinion matters. I mean, it's also nice to know that lights in people's eyes is a problem for Alex also, and that he's always wrestling with it. That it's not just my church that complains about lights in the eyes, but it's everywhere. And I just appreciate Alex's perspective on it and yeah, helping us think about it differently. And if possible, lighting can be more subjective than audio. And if it's done well, nobody really even notices. And... I was thinking about this one Christmas service. The comments that I got uh, afterwards from lots of people was how amazing the lighting was, which I appreciated, but it probably meant that I probably went a little too far with the lighting, that if that's what people took away. And you know what? Uh, for all of our services, people should be experiencing the whole service, not just little bits and pieces and being distracted by amazingness. So I just appreciate Alex helping talk through that a little bit too and yeah. Thanks again, Alex, for joining us. Don't forget to check out the Philo 2018 resources on our website, firstinlastout.us backslash resources. Also, uh, why not sign up for Philo 2019 while you're there? And then uh, give us a review on iTunes. We'd love to just get the word out about the Philo podcast. And if you have any suggestions for future Philo podcast guests or topics, why don't you email us those suggestions at philopodcast at fusion.productions. That's it for now. See you next time.